I mean, if it works, it works. Hey, so you know, I was doing a little bit of uh, research on them. Have you heard of, he's a Swiss guy. His name's Carl Jung, oh. spelled with a J. Yeah. You probably think of him as, uh, he looks like, um, like a kindly old man. I know you probably. I know you probably don't know him. You probably think he's the guy who founded Carl's Jr. Yep. He's actually also a psychologist guy. Yep. Yeah, and he wrote a book. Yeah. Called "Flying Saucers: The Modern Myth of Things Seen in the Skies," which if anybody is curious about the books I want for Christmas, that is one of them. And in that book which I have not read, but I saw, you know who Terrence McKenna is? Nope. He's kind of like a, I think he's dead now, but he was big into weird new agey mushroom hippy dippy stuff, right? right. Kind of like he, he had the demeanor of a, a kindly satyr, uh, a fawn, kind of like a mushroom Mr. Tumnus. And he was talking about his take on Young's flying saucers deal. You know, and, and Young wrote this in the 50s, I believe, right as this flying saucer phenomena was starting to, like, that's when it all started, like people visiting by aliens, seeing stuff in the sky. Yeah. You know Young's take on it? What was his take? It was kind of uh, emanating, like, like these, they're, they're not necessarily real. You know, they're mm -hmm. not actual aliens, but they're emanations from kind of the collective unconscious. It's a way for everybody to collectively process um, the new technology, the anxiety coming from the Cold War. We might be annihilated, you know, through this this conflict that came about from this earth-shattering technology. It's still really new. Everything might end. So it's a way of collectively processing anxiety, right? And then McKenna kind of took it a step further. And you know, a Gaia theory, it's like the earth is a living organism okay. and whatnot, right? No, it's, you, I can tell you don't believe in it, but anyway, <laughs> the earth itself is a living organism, a biological entity. And so McKenna was saying his take on Young's collective unconscious that he took it a step further and said, it's kind of, the part of the earth that can speak to us as members or we're part of the earth itself of living entity. So the flying saucers are the technological advancement of what in the middle ages or back in the day, people would see nymphs and dryads and they had all the, the spirits of the forest and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that was a way for the earth, you know. I don't. To, talk, to talk to people and alien, the weird little aliens and UFOs are kind of a modern updating of that. It's collective mythology just filtered through a more technological aspect. I, you know, sometimes I feel like when you see me and we start the podcast, you have these thoughts that you can't tell anyone else. And, you know, your wife will look at I mean, you. That is that's stop. Your son will look at you and say, nope. And he can't even speak. And he'll just say, nope, not right now, dad. Not right now. To my mouth. Um, and then you see me when we start this podcast and you go, you know what? I think Peter, I think Peter's going to like this one. Um, and I let you go. 
and let you talk about the flying saucers. I would like to point out, I read Carl Jung in high school. I read The Undiscovered Self uh, as part of a psychology project. So there you go. I don't remember it, but there you go. But you've read it. I've read, I remember liking it. Yeah. It's the, the subtext is the dilemma of the individual in modern society. I, I'm 95% sure that's what I read. Uh, but when you said that, his, his, his name, I thought, you know, Matt's going to think I haven't read anything by him, but. Yeah, he's not the fast food guy. He's not the f- he, he does have a kindly demeanor, though, okay. like Dave Thomas of Wendy's. Mm-hmm. If you were to take a picture of him and put him next to the Carl's Jr. logo, people might, you know. In the picture I'm looking at, he's got a mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Guess who else has a mustache right now? You. Me. I do. Yeah, look pretty good. <laughs> I know. I feel like a cop. I feel I feel looks, like a philosopher. He looks know? like the uh, guy from Super Troopers. Forget the character's name. The wacky one. Don't need it. Just, you know. You, 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 not, not Farba. Not Rabbit. Not the, the um, what's his face? The wacky guy. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, let's go back, to the, the, let's go back to the flying saucers. So does that make sense? Kind of. They, McKenna and Young articulate it better than me, but uh, I'm sure they do. You know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily, yeah. The flying saucers were in the news again. It's kind of a, uh, maybe, maybe it's a way to collectively process this stuff. How, when you say collective, is that defined by a certain culture or is that universal or how does that work i think humanity humanity yeah because after world war ii with the atom bomb and you know the cold war and the threat of nuclear annihilation all this technological stuff's being thrown at you we can kind of collectively process our neuroses through Mm. so you could see also the people who saw aliens or see the they they actually see stuff and it's true and because sometimes multiple people have the same reports and so this is the way for it. And I, I, I have a feeling, oftentimes you're very clever, uh, like the author we're going to be discussing uh, tonight. Are you hinting at not necessarily flying saucers, but um, ghost specters as being wow. a collective thing that people um, may believe in, but is some sort of... Uh, Kobe Mac- mechanism well trauma. i i did bring it up in this episode for reading well could it the same be said for ghost stories like we just did the turn of the screw yes and actually so i'm on this website litzy which yep. is kind of cool we have an account i mentioned it before i post a bunch of pictures of books and dogs but on our uh, little post for the turn of the screw you know, I mentioned something about, do you think the ghost is real or was it just in the governess's mind? And Vansa, one of our followers, said, you know, it's one of my favorite novellas. She really liked it. And then she paraphrases Dumbledore, who is um, uh, a sort of, he's a character from Harry Potter. Okay. He's a sort of child of a wizard. Um, not in the sense of like Doogie Howser was a child wizard, you know, I, like I think a, we know who he is. Doctor, he's a, a an actual magic, waving wands and turning things and stuff. 
defeating evil. Dumbledore was a grown-up wizard from that book, right? And she says, I'm paraphrasing Dumbledore when Harriet asked him, and it was just so it was just all in her head. And Dumbledore says, Of course it's all in her head, but that does that make them any less real? That kind of stuck with me. It's like, yeah. That's yeah. a good question. Doesn't mean it's not real. I don't say, oh, it's on your head to mean it's not real. Yeah. How much of it is psychological? And if the, the Jungian collective unconscious is kind of true, then couldn't certain psychic phenomena, what we call paranormal phenomena, be real? Even if it's not, they're not actual souls stranded on Earth or blah, blah, blah. That's one interpretation we mistakenly have for them. So a haunted house, a family with declining fortunes, kind of stuck in an old, decrepit house that is haunted. And everybody involved in the house is like, no, something weird's going on here. It's all in their, it's all in their heads. But it's not necessarily... That doesn't make saying that doesn't make it not true. No, it's an idea I wanted to put out there okay. for this. Okay. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about books. And tonight, ghosts. I am Peter, joined as always by Matt. Matt, we are discussing uh, The Little Stranger by Sarah Waters. And you did a very good job of, of, I think, kind of directing our conversation tonight. Um, because this book, I feel a little, a little back, kind of like a brief synopsis of the book. It's a, on the surface, it's a ghost story, would you say? Or sort a, of. Sort it's of. A, yeah. But I wanted to ask you kind of in depth, about Sarah Waters and about this novel because I am a huge Sarah Waters fan. Yeah. Uh, I've read pretty much everything she's, she's written except for uh, Tipping the Velvet, which is her first novel. And it, and I was excited for you to read her because this is the first novel of hers that you've read. But to say it's just a ghost story, I don't think does the story justice. And I don't think it does it, Sarah Waters justice and what she does in this book. It doesn't. And you could, by the end of it, I mean, you find you could argue it might not even be a ghost story. I think okay. it is, but, you know, it, it's a compliment to her writing that, yeah. But it, it's been compared to, uh, like you mentioned earlier, The Turn of the Screw, yeah, the that's fair. Hill House, sort of those classics in the genre. Follow the House of Usher. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to get into this a little bit later about, um, I think Sarah Waters is, she does something in a lot of her books and she does this in this book is she takes her time with the story. Mm -hmm. She actually goes in different avenues and she goes into class and she goes into, um, you could almost be like the sociology of um, a culture or whatever, like yeah, post-war Britain. Yeah. Yeah. Post-war Britain. And it kind of, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a weird love story, but not yeah. really a love well, story. That's one of the things I would, uh, I, I thought about. Because for the first 200 pages, it, it, the whole book is actually very pleasant. It's the most pleasant horror novel I've ever read. She's a very good writer. And, you know, for the, it's, you so, know so she, just a brief little a, a country doctor 
who was kind of his parents were lower class and he worked his way up to become a doctor and he kind of gets called to the house that he's rich the heirs is the heirs is where it's mrs heirs it's caroline the daughter and then it's roderick the son the father has died yeah and then they're living in this mansion. They don't have a lot of money or resources. The old way of life is dying and modernity is kind of crashing in on them. Anyway, the doctor get kind of hit, he gets kind of works his way into their life. He gets called there one day and he kind of starts befriending them in a way. He becomes their doctor. He becomes one of the only people from the town who they kind of engage with and trust. And the doctor, we're getting all the whole stories from his point of view. Now, uh, I wouldn't ask you about that because that's it. I think that's kind of a, the key part of the story. It's from his point of view, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting conceit. And I like that Waters wrote it that way. But anyway, the first 200 pages were kind of just treated to this. And it's almost there's a you see a romantic angle between the daughter, Caroline, and the doctor kind of percolating. Mm-hmm. And it's almost reminded me just a little bit of Jane Austen or something. It's just a pleasant, very British, like a doctor and an aristocrat, an aristocratic lady, will they, won't they type of thing. But you know, from the cover and the way it's been sold, things are going to take a creepy turn. And it, the story keeps being good once they do. But it was just, it, I think it, she's one of those cases where if you're a good enough writer, you kind of follow them anywhere. It was just a really pleasant, it's, it's, fun book. It was a, yeah. It's a, it's, so we've read The Turn of the Screw. We've read uh, The Haunting of Hill House mm. for kind of our spooky book or whatever. This book is much longer than either yeah. of those two books. Yeah. Um, and, and how she kind of, and it, it is, there is kind of the paranormal aspect and spooky and scary aspects to the novel, but it's also a unsettling picture of the doctor becoming more involved with yeah caroline and it's just their their kind of relationship and how there's unsettling things happening in the house and his sort of the doctor is sort of a strange he seems boring and sort of Mm -hmm. harmless at first and then i think there's a case to be made that as the story goes on, he doesn't read the signs or sort of the uncomfortableness yeah, he, of certain characters, right? He's not self-aware. No. He, he misses things, subtle signals. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so there's that aspect. It, or he's not yeah. fully self-aware. He's not totally oblivious, but you do the reader, as the book goes on and things start to happen, uh, you do start to notice as a reader, oh, this guy has gaps in his understanding of people. Yes. And yet it kind of starts, it starts to become a little uncomfortable, you know, like, oh, he. Because he, 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 he becomes, he, he, you know, he wants to marry, marry Caroline at the very end. And he's just sort of, once he has that in his head, therefore that's going to be the way his life is going to go. And he misses the signals that she kind of misses the signals. And then you, as the reader, you have to be paying attention. And I think Sarah Waters does a great job, but she's not going to spoon feed you this. You have to pay attention to what Caroline says and how she acts. And it's very, 
I wouldn't say it's like overt, but she's uncomfortable, right? Oh yeah, you totally. Um, she doesn't. She, yeah, but so that sort of dynamic is going on, kind of behind the scene, or kind of the 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 scary parts of the story where the house is showing signs of a of a paranormal or a ghost or um, as yeah, you yeah. learn a a young child like a, their previous sibling who had passed away it sort of it, the story leads itself to believe that this kind of susan is coming back to haunt the characters yeah. in the house so let's set the stage for that real quick yes. let's set the stage do spoiler warnings and then we'll kind of spin off into theories and mm-hmm. All that. So, so like I said earlier, there's a you know country doctor and gracious aids himself with his family. There's the older mother who has two kids, and then her favorite daughter died as a child, Susan. Which you don't, which you don't learn until you don't learn right away. It's kind of much later. The the son Roderick is the head of the household. He was badly injured in the Air Force in World War II, and his face and leg are burnt. Like yes, pretty grisly stuff. But the, his sister Caroline kind of stays there, takes care of him. Roderick's trying to keep everything afloat. They can't really afford any staff, so they just have one or two, just one um, young, uh, a young maid, kind of. and Betty. Yeah, and, and that's about it. And they're trying to keep up this mansion with no help. Um, they need money, and so they sell. You know, like they sell off tracts of their land you know it once was just a huge estate you know um, like you see in at Downton Abbey or whatever but you know by the the 50s there's no real source of income and so they sell off tracts of their land to the city so apartments are being built and you know so modernity the modern world is kind of encroaching on their old aristocratic way of life they can't really stay afloat that's the scene the doctor finds his way into and then, so once we're established with that, a couple hundred pages into the book, things start to go wrong. There is... there. Uh, well, there's a, early on a scene of a dog that sort of attacks a child. Yeah, and the sort of, and the heirs the, the have a party. And they invite some other rich people who are kind of of their class, but they're mm-hmm. new, or not, not of their class, but they're wealthy. So they're nouveau rich, you know, mm-hmm. they're not land, they're, they're not titled aristocracy like the heirs are but they have new money and you know kind of equal to their class in the 1950s and it's kind of a sad awkward party the doctor's a guest there's only what you know a couple other people show up and they all have tea the living room and they're awkwardly trying to set caroline up with uh a young man and that you kind of get the tension the doctor doesn't articulate his attraction to Caroline for a while, but, but you see him kind of be jealous and the guy is not interested in Caroline because Caroline isn't traditionally attractive. What I liked about that is but, just, you mentioned it, the uncomfortableness of it. And she, mm-hmm. and she kind of leans into it and she leans into the fact that it, it, it felt like everyone at that party was not exactly you know it was no it was no movers and shakers you know kind of maybe a little bit of people that came there but it was if you if you were from the outside or you're from the village and you and you 
and you were told a, a party was happening at this at the hundreds house which is like the house that the story takes place in you would think oh it's it's kind of i don't know you wouldn't picture what sarah waters does with that party where it's just no, it's, it's awkward kind of, and, and sad and raining outside is awkward. Nobody is interested in each other the way any it, other people want them to be. That makes sense. You know, it's just yeah. kind of differing expectations. And so and there's a little maybe 10 year old girl there, mm-hmm. you know, who these people brought along and she starts kind of playing with Caroline has a dog who never bothers anybody. A good dog, a good boy, as mm-hmm. they say. And, uh, the dog attacks the little girl just kind of out of nowhere. And that's kind of the moment where the book takes a turn. You're like, okay. And so, yeah, it's uh, spoilers from here on too. And Roderick is sort of the first character. Well, actually the kind of the, the help get he's, she's the reason why the actually comes to the house, but Roderick sort of senses, well, as we come to know him, he senses that something's wrong with the house. He refuses to come out and go to the party. And that's another weird thing about it. But he was stuck in his room and he didn't want to come out because there's some sort of. But I think there's like an element to the story. And I like this about this book quite a bit where you can look at Roderick and he, instead of just being like, oh, he's seen the ghosts or he's seen the spirits and he's being traumatized by it. You can actually, and I think, think the book kind of hints at this that sort of that reading is tied to his trauma from the war and his oh, yeah. sort of his and other people the doctor especially but then even caroline at first they they don't they take it as like rambling they don't believe him mm-hmm. it's you know he's obviously traumatized from his war wounds is what they think you know mm-hmm. and we're, as the reader you're like okay you're you're half expecting a ghost just because of the ghost stories we've all read but you also know, okay, it could just be Roderick. But so the dog gets put down. Roderick, he you he gets the there's a fire in his room eventually, you know. And so the story, what the doctor believes in the story is, is that he started it. But you know, Roderick says it was the evil force in the house that started it. So Roderick gets committed to an institution. And the doctor through kind of the doctor's the doctor gets him committed. dr faraday kind of yeah. sets that up in a way yeah yeah like oh he's a because and and everybody and caroline and the mother go along with it because in everybody's eyes he started he almost burned the house down so he's not suitable so he gets committed but you know everybody goes along with it but stuff keeps happening they find um there's a noise kind of like a ball, ball bouncing mm-hmm. in the walls of the house and you know they follow there's, it and they find like little the, s's the, the like classic carved in the wood you know the, the classic yeah. sort of you know signs that something may be happening right mm-hmm. yeah and there's s's carved into the wood really creepy and some of them spell out suki which was the dead girl susan's nickname and so that's when Mrs. Ayers, the old lady, starts. She gets convinced the ghost of her daughter mm-hmm. is coming back. Mm-hmm. To, it, uh, and that Caroline thinks something weird's going on. She's not as skeptical. And the doctor sees it all as rational. You know, they're old markings. The pipes were acting up, and you saw twenty-year-old 
writings from Suki when she was alive. You know, so there's kind of. So I wanted to ask you, the book is like a slow burn towards these uh, these plot yeah. points. Do you prefer that to the the other stuff we've read is, is much more like night one, night two. You know what I mean? It's it's quicker. It's more because this is a ghost story with the backbone of a a a failing family. A and there's there's tons of scenes interspersed throughout where nothing really happened. The doctor and Caroline go to a dance. Yeah. And, and there's it's almost it's like a scene out of a different type of book. It's woven in really well. So in answer to your question, I would, in anybody else's hands, this might be boring or not yeah. done well. This The book's perfect. I wouldn't change anything of it. She's, so it's kind of, I don't know. One of my favorite things about her, she's highly readable. And she's highly, yeah. She, yeah. she's fully committed to like the aspect of a novel. And this is going to sound like a, like a, a criticism. She's very competent in like, maybe not competent, but she's, I, I always feel like I'm in good hands with when I'm reading one of her books, like, okay, it might be a slow burn, but she'll, she'll leave little interesting things yeah, along the way early. that you kind of wonder like, okay, hold on. Um, oh, I was hooked. I wanted to know how it was going to pan out. Yeah. And she does it really well. So let's spoilers from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's not a big M night Shyamalan twist. But, but it is it's but satisfying to come into it not knowing anything. So I I there, the ending left me I, my theory of how it end ends. Let's get there um, later. Okay. But yeah. I, I got one too. But okay. let's just kind of briefly go through and just warn you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the spoilers from here on out. Yes. Stop and come back. But okay. So. So what? It, towards the middle, we start to. I started to get suspicious of the doctor. Me too. And his motivations, and it, it it was always a question of, okay, does he know what he's doing? And is his journal just kind of a, a front, mm -hmm. you know? And deep down, he knows, or is he just that kind of divorced from his inner motivations? But you do kind of. He's kind of an unreliable narrator in the sense exactly. Of he doesn't know how he comes off, and you're kind of weighing his intentions. Yeah, so so the mother is the next one to kind of fall. Every the dog, Roderick. Uh, yes. The mother kind of starts having like little fingernail marks on her, mm -hmm. and she's convinced her daughter, her dead daughter Susan, is angry with her, and the doctor, you know, is is horrified, and he's trying to treat her, and he's like, "You're being nonsensical," and there are no marks on her body where she couldn't have done it herself, you know. So, but eventually. The mother has a harrowing experience where she's locked in the room and they're convinced Suki is talking to them. That's a truly and terrifying scene, actually. That's like a is, very it's a spooky, good, <laughs> spooky scene. And then we're kind of left the mother either hangs herself or is killed by the, the malevolent presence. We don't, I mean, you know, you, the doctor says she hung herself. Uh, so, or, you know, every, everybody else sees it as suicide. Yeah. And once again, the doctor's there to clean up the mess. And that leaves just Carolyn in charge of the house. Um, and then the doctor kind of, they've kind of been off and on romantic. You can tell something's not right. Mm -hmm. But Carolyn kind of goes along with the doctor proposes marriage to her. And she he, agrees. He's, kind you of think he's possessive, she agrees. you know, in a, in a weird way. Like, well, where she doesn't want to... 
So here's the thing, and this is more backstory, but so he's possessive of her and he starts trying to plow ahead with the wedding, even though you, the reader, can tell she's not into it. And she's probably going along because of grief or she's going to hurt his feelings or both. But the doctor is just like, we're going to do this in a month. Like after her mom just died, he's like, we'll get married in six weeks. That should be enough time. He does all the shopping for her dress and ring. She's not into it like a a happy bride would be. And so you get the sense that really what the doctor wants, you know, towards the end of the book, it's like, oh, he wants the house. Yes. To himself. He doesn't necessarily, he kind of likes Caroline well enough for a, you know, a bachelor. There's a big age. He's probably 40, 37, 38, 40. Caroline's 22, 23. It's hinted that he, he has seen the house before the, the kids were born. Yeah, so right. the, the whole, and the backdoor's back, doctor's backstory actually we're going to have to briefly go into to make this, my theory make sense. Um, I, it might be yours too. Well, but the doctor was a little kid in the village. We get flashbacks too. Yeah. His mom was a maid at the house when yes. he was growing up and he saw hundreds. At, his, at hundreds. its peak. At its, at its peak. And as kind of a child was enough to, to like be in awe of it, to be a little envious, jealous, but also aspire to one day. I mean, he even part of that world. An acorn from like the sighting of like a, a window. Like an embossed fancy acorn yes. uh, enameled piece of something. Yeah. So he, he saw, he's so in, in, in neighbor, like he wants a piece of this house or he's just, yeah. It, obviously, this is, you know, the nicest place he's ever been. He's a little kid and he, he kind of rips off a piece. That's his, that, yeah. He wants to take kind it of prize. And he gets in trouble and he's kind of open with the heirs as, as an adult. He's like, oh, I, I, my mom used to work here. Um, and you could tell he's a little angry. Like Mrs. Ayers says something kind of condescending about the, the, hel- the servants. Yeah. The doctor gets a little peeved. He's like, oh, my mom was a, you know, but he's open with he he and Caroline joke about the little embossed leaf that he stole. But that's kind of the doctor's backstory. And then he went off and became a doctor, works in the same town, and is now privy to the decline of the family and their household. And so he kind of just in, ingratiates and meshes himself in their affairs. Um, it, Roderick makes mention of it. Of course, and Roderick is drunk and a little blunter mm-hmm. than than anybody else in the story would be. But he kind of calls the doctor out. It's like, you're not part of this. What are you doing here? Well, uh, that I mean, that's a it's not a trope, but that it kind of you know you know the stories where the the person who thinks they're helping actually gets too involved and makes everyone else uncomfortable. Yeah, that's he, I think that's the slow burn of his care of the faraday character oh yeah character he's oblivious to you kind of pick up on it yeah he just slowly becomes more involved like he'll let me take a shortcut through their lands let me check on them let me get their key let me make sure their stuff's locked so he he takes on these little tasks i don't know if you noticed it where it's he's 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 in weird ways like becoming possessive of the house and subconsciously he wants to become a man of the house he's yes he doesn't articulate it to himself to his rational mind that we're privy to 
as of him as the narrator of the book, but you can kind of see it. As, as the book goes on, it becomes more obvious. You can see him like, oh, he's trying to, he's trying to take over. And so at when all this started to happen, right around when Roderick was committed, I was thinking, oh, is he consciously doing this? That's and maybe, okay. it, and maybe the book form is like a diary, and he's covering his bases. And I was wondering if he was going to wind up taking over the house, like he was consciously doing it. And the book, it wound up taking a different direction. He was, he's never quite self-aware enough to consciously doing it, but let's get into the, let's get into the end. So, so, well, and so I think it's important to note his conversation with the other doctor, his doctor friend, Seely. Yes. When all this paranormal stuff is going on, uh, the doctor Faraday is our main character's name. He's skeptical and rational about it all. He's like, he doesn't really believe in the ghost for a minute. And he's talking, he's bouncing his problems off his doctor friend, um, a guy named Seely. And Seely brings up a theory, just in passing, you know, they're just making conversation. He's like, you know, there is a psychological theory that, um, what was it? Uh, a, a person with immature, undeveloped, and unlooked at neuroses or strong emotions they can kind of detach from the person themselves and become almost a physical entity unto themselves and kind of wreak havoc or and he called it a little stranger it's where we get the title of the book so that those kind of deep unprocessed emotions and neuroses can branch off become something well their own entity a little stranger and it's planted in the reader's head like oh that could be what's going on if we have a paranormal explanation for the book it will be that and so you run down the list of characters whose little stranger is the poltergeist or causing the haunt and you know it's all could be the mom it could be susan it could be roderick maybe not caroline but then what you kind of come around to at the end you're like is it the doctors yes so the, the the end of the book happens where Caroline tells the doctor she doesn't want to get married, right? Yeah. And he sort of leaves. And then there's a scene where he's he stays out late for a late case, right? Yeah, some somebody's sick. And there's this weird passage that I ha- had to kind of reread because he kind of like falls asleep in his car. But then he imagines yeah, himself to... leaving yeah. the car, kind of. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up and he's still in his car and he goes home. And then um, one of the other doctors in the village like contacts him and says, kind of gives him the news that Caroline has died. Um, yeah, she fell off. Uh, she fell off a kind of a balcony, not balcony, the railing. The railing. Yeah. And she has died. Okay. And then you get to, um, was it Betty? Is that her name? Yeah, the, the maid servant. The maid servant. And she kind of gives backstory to that night where she hears someone wake up and kind of walking around. And she hears Caroline look at, or she doesn't really see this happen, but she hears Caroline say, you, kind of like as a... Yeah, Caroline says, you, like, oh, it's you. I oh, know. it's you type thing. And then falls or kind of like is scared or threatened. Now, one way of, of, of reading or of that is okay, the 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 
the spirit or the ghost has manifested itself in some sort of Mm. physical way for Caroline. And she sees that and she falls. Yeah. The way I saw it. Yeah. And I don't have like a clear how this could have happened is somehow Dr. Faraday is in his car. He falls asleep or he just doesn't remember this. He goes to the house because he's kind of possessive and he thinks he can convince Caroline to marry him. Yeah, at this point, he's made a nuisance of himself. At this point, Caroline, he's not wanted in the house yeah. at all. He, Caroline's he, told him off. Yes. She doesn't want to see him. Yeah. So, so in, my, in my head, and it's, it's not, I don't think it's like very clear cut that this is the case, but I think it, this is the first thing that came to my head is she somehow Faraday comes back into the house and she sees him. Yeah. And then she says, dies. And then Faraday leaves, goes back to his car, wakes up and completely forgets what just happened. Or disassociates himself. Disassociates himself. Do you drink too? A lot of, uh, I notice also when bad stuff happens, like at the party with the dog Mm -hmm. And I don't maybe on the night with the fire at the Roderick, I'd have to go back and look, but he's drinking. Okay. So maybe that unleashes his, but yeah, I read it as you could be, she saw the doctor or the poltergeist manifests itself as the doctor's little stranger enough to where Caroline recognized it. But she does say you right before she falls. And the doctor is not a suspect. They kind of maybe suspect foul prey, but yeah. Betty says she didn't hear any other footsteps. Um, the doctor is known he was out of town for the case and nobody, he drove back on his own to the driveway of Hundred's house, but he didn't tell anybody. You can see he actually almost catches himself telling his doctor friend, oh, I was in the drive, but he, he pulls himself back, you know, like that so- might too much and i think this is the the brilliant part of the story is since you're in the doctor's um head and he's kind of your your main character and he's kind of telling you the story is and you think he's reliable for the first part of the story Mm. by the end of it you're like something in that last scene where he kind of he, he says he falls asleep and then he sort of has this feeling that he's leaving the car or something like that. And then he wakes up and he's still in the car. I took that as, I don't know. I just, it's open-ended and she leaves it without a clear answer. Right. Yeah. But it's, but I, I feel like he has sort of lost his mind as well as sort of a possessive person. Mm. while the heir's family has sort of i don't know it's very it, there's a lot of different ways you could look at it as far as the sort of the the, the ghost element or the poltergeist or whatever that the heir's oh. family is seen in the beginning because i i don't quite get that faraday is responsible for those incidents right well i my theory i think it's the doctor's little stranger okay paranormal it's the little the psychic energy that manifests itself comes from the doctor's childish okay childhood emanation his 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 uh enviousness of the lifestyle him wanting to inherit the house Mm -hmm. him growing up and seeing it 
going down the tubes. He doesn't think the um, he, the heirs are upkeeping it properly. So, and you you get the sense towards the end. One of the reasons Caroline decides not to marry him is the he's the doctor is expecting to still live at hundreds, and at this point, mm-hmm. the house has ruined their lives. It's and kind she of crazy out she, of the house, and she might have married the doctor had he said we're moving to London. She just wants out. So when she realizes the doctor's not planning on moving, he wants to be the new head of the household. That's when she's calls it off. So anyway, every step of the way, it, it, you it's plausible that it's it, not the doctor himself, but if we're going with the paranormal explanation here, it's the doctor's quote unquote little okay. strain. I like that. He's causing all this happen because stuff. It, it's even said. Um, in the book, I think Roderick says it to Dr. Faraday, you know, uh, none of this stuff happened until you got here. He says it in kind of an offhand manner, you know. I think this book would, you would unpack more on a reread of it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I bet I definitely think it's the doctor's little stranger. Okay. Yeah. I think it's what we're kind of read between the lines. That's the, whether or not it, it might, you can make a case. It's physically the doctor going in the house. See, I, I took it as the doctor was in the house, but, but I think it's definitely the doctor's weird psychic energy that uh, his little stranger that is causing all the havoc. And um, well, actually what's the, the end of the very end, the last line of the book. It's just a couple years later, you know, um, the doctor's reminiscing of what happened. Hundreds Hall is empty. Um, it's still unsold. It just stands there kind of decrepit. And then the last little two sentences of the book is from the doctor's point of view. If Hundreds Hall is haunted, however, its ghosts don't show itself to me for I'll turn and I'm disappointed, realizing that what I am looking at is only a cracked window pane, and that the face gazing distortedly from it, baffled and longing, is my own. That's a little wink, Sarah Waters. It's like the doctor saying, oh, I don't see the ghost. All I see is me in a cracked mirror. So Here's the part I wanted to, to read to you. And it's the doctor, he's in his car, and he's sort of outside or near hundreds the house this is at the end this is at the very yeah. end where he's yeah. he's been on some cases and he's like you said he's been drinking so he goes yeah. um but i turned and drew up my legs and lowered my cheek to the back of the seat and i sank into a fretful sort of slumber almost at once and in the slumber i seemed to leave the car to press on to hundreds i saw myself doing it with all the uh, hectic and unnatural clarity with which I'd been recalling the dash to the hospital a little while before. So he had gone to the hospital a little while before. Yeah. For a, so you see that where he's, he sees himself leave the car, all these things that where it's, I mean, I could, you could almost read that as like, he's sort of lost himself, disassociated yeah, himself, himself from the story that he's, he's kind of telling you the reader. And, um, and then at the at one point he goes, I saw myself start along the hundreds drive. So that's a very weird thing to happen where he sees him like according to Faraday, he sees himself in like I guess a dream state, walk towards hundreds. Yeah. Now, what we do know, which I think with some certainty is Caroline sees someone 
inside hundreds who she does not want there and is surprised Mm -hmm. to see there. And I don't think it's too crazy to to think that maybe Dr. Faraday somehow enters hundreds hall. Well, he could have, he could have done quietly. That was was my reading of it. I agree. Now, whether it's his ghostly manifestation or him physically can be up in the air. Yes, I agree with that. Well, I totally think, yeah, I, I think that, that's what makes her saying you creepy yeah. is everyone's oblivious to it in the, st- you, the reader, are the only ones who, uh, who know, oh, that's what she meant. Or maybe that's what she meant. Wait, she yeah. Meant you're that. not, it's not, it, it's, it's, it's good. It's so good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> and it's not hundred percent certain. It's not a big twist, but if you're paying attention, you get a little goosebumps. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Oh, another thing, more evidence for this. There's um, at the beginning, before things start to go real bad, before Rod, Roderick's committed, um, they're talking about selling the house. And Roderick, they call, you know, the people who are going to be buying the land and living in the houses that's on their land. He calls them pirates. You know, the pirates are coming to get us. You know, just, just, you know, raiders, buccaneers mm-hmm. with knives in their teeth crawling over the walls. That's how the aristocracy sees the new kind of populist um, programs that are coming you know, under the yeah. socialist government in the 1950s, right? So that, that that's another whole theme of the book. Yeah, they make mention Roger of mentions that. that. And Roddy's being kind of mean to the doctor. And he says, you're from pirate stock, aren't you? You know, <laughs> right after saying the image of the buccaneers coming with a knife in their mouth and killing them and taking all their stuff. And if you buy the theory that this, the doctor, either the doctor actually doing it or his little stranger, still, that's a little foreshadowing. Like, Oh yeah, he is from pirate stock and he winds up uh, cleaning the place out. Yeah. It's, um, I think that's my. I think I think it's the doctor. It's yeah. I think it's the doctor as well. And whether it's he's actually in there or it's his quote unquote little stranger, it's up to the debate, I guess. But yeah, um, I think yeah. Sarah Waters is just um, when this came out, I the reviews are weren't like it got nominated or shortlisted for the Booker Prize, but. I, I always thought it was sort of like considered one of her lesser novels, but I think it's excellent. I think it's really, it's yeah, up yeah. there with some of uh, her other works. And it's, I, I just like that she takes the time to tell a, a, you know, write a story, write a novel, you know what I mean? And not, and kind of leave interpretation up to the reader a little bit. And yeah, I don't know. I, she's just, very, very highly readable can write really good descriptions of scenes and characters and all that stuff and you're reading it and it's not boring but you're like she's a really good writer so mm-hmm. yep. i don't know so would you you would read another sarah waters oh yeah i'm going okay. to okay. She's, she's a very good writer i was very impressed with this i liked it it was great yeah. okay yeah i'm i was yeah i was i i've been wanted to read this for a while but i was a little like eh, it's a ghost story i don't know it's not like my thing but it's it's got sarah waters kind of like trademark yeah slow burn but unsettling aspects to it so yeah um i'm glad we read it um, we Very also sad. like 
very slow burn to the point you're expecting an explosion and you realize you've just been sitting around a campfire the whole time. Yeah. And it's nothing, it, it, but you're still satisfied. You're just, oh, yeah. There's a, there's a lot to think about here. The, you know, it's, it does require, it's not confusing or anything like that, but the, the hints and the like the little details you need to kind of pay attention to, right? I, yeah. would, I would say so. Oh, yeah. We also watched the movie which came yeah. out, um, I think it was made in 2018, yes. What do you think of the movie? Um, I, I feel like it works better in a novel format, like the slow burn aspect of it, just like yeah. the slow... Um, I think it's hard to get into the doctor's... I think the movie does a pretty good job with the doctor sort of being this quiet... They cast him pretty well. Yeah, yeah they cast him real well, and he kind of gets into the family and it's a little it's always unnerving and it's always um unsettling but i i overall i feel like it just works better in the book than it does in the movie and i don't i, I can't really pinpoint why because i think all the actors are good and they yeah, was, i'm curious because i'm kind of with you i i enjoyed it i i mm-hmm. liked it and it was a faithful adaptation it was pretty close. Almost yeah. to the point, I'm, I'm curious what somebody who hadn't read the book first would think of it, whether they'd be into it. Because, you know, watching some, a movie on the heels of the mm-hmm. book, normally you're like, oh, that one in the book. You know, you're kind yeah, of yeah, thinking yeah. about it to whoever you're watching. Like, that one in the book. In the book, it was this way. In this movie, it was, oh, that's the, it was all the beats of the book, you know, condensed, obviously, yeah. to our movie. But it's like, oh, yeah, they did that pretty well. That's pretty faithful. They hit all the beats. I liked it because I just read the book and it's like, okay. But to somebody who hadn't read, I wonder if it would be a fulfilling movie to somebody who didn't know what was coming or know the beats. And it may be. But yeah. it did, I did kind of notice, you know, it was a 700-page book condensed to a two-hour movie and just like, hey, here's a... It was well done. I think it's where done. it loses some of the aspect of the book is just the aspect of Dr. Faraday. And I think the book, you can kind of, the nuance of the book is where kind of like this, the twist ending, I guess, is it, the movie doesn't really hint that he's at the house. Or no, the, well, the movie makes a little stranger aspect explicit. Did you, did you catch that at the end? They flashed to what Caroline saw. And it was Faraday as a child. Oh, okay. He's standing on the balcony. They make our theory explicit. Like, it, but they, they did you remember that part? He, they, they. It yeah. actually, I thought pretty well. It's a good little, little like. Uh, I, I never felt like I got. I guess uh, that was a part in the movie where they kind of pushed it a little bit, like the, the hit him well, as a little kid. They make the subtlety visible and explicit, right? Yeah, that's what they did in the movie. They made the choice to take it a step further and confirm. Yeah, the I, theory. I think probably, I thought it worked. I like. I think it. probably oh. Faraday as a little kid as like the haunting of the place. That'd be his little strange. Well, is, is the is probably the. I don't want to say correct, like that's what the the movie the director chose. I I just like the I I personally think. My favorite reading of the story is he actually is in the house. That would have been a creepy twist too, if you yeah. see him kind of. And he just doesn't remember himself going in the house. 
I mean, yeah. or he can't. Uh, he disassociates the way uh, a tr- like a trauma. Yeah. So and, he can't bring himself. He knows somewhere deep, deep down that it was him, but he can't. Yeah, because so he just witnessed her basically fall off a balcony. So, um, but yeah, it's it, it. Yeah, I thought the movie was good. I, yeah, it was is very almost a few slight differences, but nothing. Yeah, well, and you notice what they did—the thing. I guess every movie does it. Caroline in the book is kind of is not traditionally attractive. It's one of the reasons she can't get married. Mm-hmm. You know, in the movie they just had a, a pretty lady play her in um, maybe not as nice clothes. Yeah, you know, it's kind of. But no, it, it was um, all movies do that. When you, you know, compare the, the two, character is played by just a. Yeah, an attractive lady in glasses with messy hair. You know? She kind of had a, you know, she had a. She did seem. Beat she was out. well acted. Was a good. The actress was great. Very good actress. But, you know, she. You know. Um, I, I think it was a good movie. Yeah, it was a good movie, but I, I prefer the the book. I guess. Yeah, I would recommend. Well, I would recommend reading the book first. But if you're gonna watch the movie first, email us and let us know what you thought. Yeah, I'm curious how it would play to somebody who hadn't read the book. You know what's weird? What's that? Watching it yesterday with Wesley mm-hmm. the dog at the foot of the couch, and the first scene where they show the house, there's no sounds. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the dog hadn't barked yet, but Wesley just starts growling and kind of barking. No kidding. What's going on? What's like what? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Like, is the house really? Do they add little? little sounds in the background that only dogs could hear. I would say that the one scene I liked more in the movie than the book was the that dog scene. The dog attacked the kid. It was much more vicious than I like pictured in my head. I like, gotta to I I I went pee purposely. Like I had to go and I was like all right I'm gonna go the dog attack scene. I don't want to watch it. No the the kid is like mauled. It, it, there's a yeah. ton of a no, ton it's of blood. It's it's like, oh, whoa. I did not, like, yeah, when I read the book, I didn't see that. No, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gruesome. Yeah. Things get pretty bleak. That's, that's the first bleak turn. Yeah. So, uh, The Little Stranger, I think I, I, it's a, I think this is a hard genre to write in because of sort of the books we'd read before, the novellas we read before, where it's yeah. like, there's not a lot of reinventing, I guess, but um, I guess what I appreciated was it's the, the paranormal, the ghost story, but it's it's backed up by a uncomfortable love story, I guess. It's a story about, yeah. like, a, you, you can really read it about, like, the fall of the, the great British manor houses, you know, where they, they once had, you know, That's the one land and yeah. people there. And this is like the falling apart of that. Yeah, um, that is a, that is a theme of it. And whatever you think about our theory about the doctor, the doctor represents kind of the, the new forces forcing out the landed aristocracy. Because don't they also mention like how the, the medical system is going to be changed? Yeah, they're they're the they, the NHS, their National Health Service. It's it's going to be basically government. So so it it has sort of the grounding of kind of like historical fiction in a way, right? Oh, it's, yeah, it's actually um, it's yeah. 
it's like historical fiction you know meshed together with a horror so mm-hmm. and i appreciate that the the heirs getting killed off one by one but you could read it as you know the forces of modernity killing off the old heirs. yeah you know, that's, could, that's part of it you could do a literary theory look at this with some sort of lens and yeah uh, you could do a boring marxist type reading that <laughs> Gotta be one element. That's not the point of the book, but you know. Yeah. Uh, um, but I'm glad that uh, Sarah Waters is now an author. You will you will uh, um, check out because there, there's a lot. I own Fingersmith. Fingersmith is really good. Um, She'll Night, be, when I go to Nightwatch was the first one I read of hers, and I, that's probably still my favorite. Which one? Nightwatch. It's a Nightwatch. kind of okay. takes place in World War II, um, and that's just sort of a personal. I like that kind of setting so yeah but she's really good she's if uh you've never read sarah waters i i don't think there's like a perfect starting point you can kind of start wherever but um start with a little stranger start with a little stranger um i think her last one was called the pain guess and i thought that was really good too that's that's a book that has she's not afraid to that book has like it starts off for like 250 pages is like this one story. And then like this one major event happens and the book kind of shifts on a, and you're like, Oh, wow. And me personally, I like an author who takes risks within the format of the novel and sort of like, Oh, you know what? You thought this book was this. And then actually I'm going to go this way. And um, I, I feel like some people might not like that, I guess. Um, yeah, but I like that she is confident enough in her st- storytelling capabilities to kind of pull that off. So, yeah. uh, any final thoughts on the little stranger, the genre of horror? Um, no. Where? Is, it, yeah. I was. I gonna ask you. All these stories kind of take place in the house. Can you imagine a horror story where it doesn't take place in a house? I mean, yeah, they have. I mean, slasher movies and stuff. I'm sure they exist. But you know, it's it's weird that the identity, like the house as a character, and and this not so much as like I'm sort of thinking of the haunting of Hill House. That's definitely like a character in that book. Yeah. Um, Hundreds Hall in this book doesn't have those sort of qualities. It it sort of does near the end, definitely with the mother and like the mother kind of feeling like she's being held captive in a room and stuff like that. But I was just thinking of the the genre and how is there a way to write these stories without like a house being sort of, yeah, it's been done. Stephen King did a book called in the law in the tall grass. And that's about a field. Okay. You can, but I think that it's the house is so prevalent probably because that's where people live. Okay. So if you, if, if your own brain is haunted, where you live is haunted, you know, that's kind yeah. of houses where it would all take place. Yeah. That's yeah, good. I was just, I was just curious to see if you had a, a, a field as the next, the next setting for horror novels, I guess. Well, a field, a car, Stephen King's done a haunted car. The Shining. I've, I've never read Stephen King, so... I read his kid. I like his kid better. Joe Hill. Yeah. He wrote a book. Yeah, he wrote a he wrote a good book about um 
yeah a guy being haunted it didn't it some of it took place in his house but um anyway yeah it's not important okay yeah. well we, we will uh revisit the uh horror genre haunting genre paranormal genre next year uh later october yeah spooky spooky stuff so uh what else we are we have a seasonal read and we kind of have a secondary seasonal read which we're doing right now um the red and the black is sort of a book we added a couple months ago so we we are reading that right now um the seasonal read is sometimes a great notion so those are kind of our two books that we have um if you want to join us in reading those, those are kind of our longer works. And then we will be selecting a December read here shortly, uh, probably in the next week or so. Uh, yeah. We're always a little bit behind, but we always finish reading. Um, yeah. And then we, I have finished, and I think Matt is currently, you know, reading uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which yeah. is. November book which I'm excited to talk about and talk about all the you know classic um, circus control all the all the phrases and terminology that John Lacar uses that uh, at first you're not quite sure who's who but um, uh, fun book fun book good very enjoyable spy Um, yeah doesn't really hold your hand which I I appreciate. Throws into the deep end. Throws <laughs> into the deep end and stuff. We'll get into it, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, terms just thrown right at you, and you got to kind of make sense of them. We also have uh, new content on the Patreon uh, page of ours. Um, I we mentioned earlier at the beginning of the episode, I'm I have a mustache. We're sporting um, a mustache. Sporting a mustache. Uh, that comes from a bet me and Matt did on an episode on the Patreon account. Where we bet on the outcome of a football game, his team won and covered the point spread. My team lost, therefore I have a mustache. I look like a 1970s author who writes thriller novels. I'm not disappointed. I kind of like it, actually. Yeah, he'll post a picture too on Instagram. Yes, follow us on uh, all of our uh, social media, uh, Instagram specifically, and you will see a picture of me with this. Glorious mustache. I'll try to take a picture where I look like a serious, like this is the back cover of my uh, thriller novel. Yeah, your novel. Yeah. I don't think I can pull off literary fiction, but I can pit. I I feel like I can uh, pull off thriller, possibly mystery. Well, let's do it. Let's see. Let's see. You believe in me? Let's see. I I think so. Yeah. All right. Tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, this when this episode posts, you will see a picture of me looking like a uh, very serious author. So, um, so be on the lookout for um, when we select our new December book and also Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and sort of our seasonal reads. So that's on our TBR. So um, appreciate you guys listening, and we will be back soon. Bye.